Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, they say the change is as good as a holiday, but we respectfully say they are idiots. It feels like ages since we last spoke about the East Coast flood catastrophe, at least a week. It feels like ages since we last spoke about cyber insurance, at least a week. It feels like ages since the Hain Royal Commission, but one insurer will be feeling quite weak. Hello, everyone. That's a joke that works better on paper, or more accurately, most of my jokes don't work at all, which is a brilliant segue for me to say hello to our returning editor, John Deeks. Hello, John. Hi, Andrew. How was London? Very nice. Yeah, I I have to say I was in the UK for two weeks and I didn't see rain once. So uh, that that smashes the cliche somewhat. There'll be drought problems coming up then, obviously. I'm also joined by Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, who's probably delighted John is back. Hello, Wendy. Good morning, Andrew. And if Wendy's delighted, then Chairman Terry McMullen must be weaker than knees. Hello, Terry. I'm positively weak at the knees, Andrew. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. And playing the fourth musketeer today is senior journalist Miranda D'Artagnan Maxwell. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it, Miranda? It does. I like it. I'm keeping it. <laughs> so on to the main stories this week. John, the East Coast flood catastrophe started months ago, but it's still casting a long shadow over our news bulletins. I've lost interest and can't be bothered to ask you a question. So can you just dazzle me? Yes, sure, Andrew. Uh, we must not lose interest in this event because... It's hugely significant and uh, it's becoming more and more apparent every day. So in in, uh, yesterday's bulletin, we have a piece based on a report by Perils, which is a Zurich-based catastrophe data company. They say that insured losses are approaching $4 billion, which uh, surpasses Brisbane's 2011 floods to be the largest flood loss on record for the Australian insurance industry. We've got other stories linked to the floods as well. The recovery in Lismore and other northern New South Wales communities is going to be coordinated by a corporation that will come into effect from July. This is the Northern Rivers Reconstruction Corporation, which is it's basically going to help with the rebuild and make sure that that rebuild is done in a resilient way, which is obviously something that the insurance industry is very, very keen to see. We also have some early data from AFCA about complaints relating to the floods. Insurance is dominating those complaints. They've had about 100 so far in total, and 81 of those are to do with insurance, with the vast majority to do with claims. Well, four billion is probably something I should not not ignore, but considering there's been over 180,000 claims. Should I be assured that only 81 or so have found their way to Africa, Terry? Yeah, well, so far, so good, Andrew. There will be more as time goes by and people get angry at delays or problems over what is and what isn't covered. But for now, insurers are out there doing what they can with the materials and labour available. So let's hope this trend continues. It'll be interesting as as time goes by to see what Africa learns and how it it deals with with some of these issues. Well, while we're talking about claims, Wendy, a consumer group has criticised the accuracy of insurers' own claims data. Yeah, the uh, Financial Rights Legal Centre commissioned a report on the industry's use of data and they found a lot of problems. 
firstly, a lack of transparency about um, where the data is being shared and how broadly within an, an insurance company or the industry. But it was also particularly critical of the Insurance Reference Service, which is a, a shared industry database that contains policyholder claims histories. And one of its aims is to assist insurers with claims investigations and fraud detection. Um, but anyone can apply to see what information is held on them. Uh, but financial rights found that process of applying is cumbersome. And it's in its research, when people did get access to a report on themselves, there were often errors. And these ranged from addresses being correct to information about the actual claims being wrong. And the Research was also critical of the process for getting those things corrected too. And, and, and on top of this, people actually have to pay a $20, $22 fee to get access to the report, which, you know, contains poor quality information. Well, we've talked about big data and access to big data previously. John, what are the implications of this report? Yeah, well, I found the stuff about the claims database really interesting. Insur- the insurance industry often talks about the importance of access to data and and accurate data and yet it appears that this insurance industry database has has its own accuracy issues which which could cause some serious problems and um, don't forget that in the past there's been discussion by consumer groups about whether insurers need to rely on disclosure by customers on things like the number of previous claims or whether they should know this information already the problem is that that that, that sort of change would only work if the information on on the insurer's records and this um, sort of syndicated database was was accurate. We've been writing about uh, cyber again, this time because it occupies the top three spots of risks faced by company directors. Miranda, there's a lot to uncover here, isn't there? Yes. I've been doing this long enough, just long enough now to remember being surprised when cyber made it to the top of the list of concerns ahead of things like climate change. But now it's been three years uh, that cyber attack was rated the number one worry for executives in this annual Willis Towers Watson survey. And now cyber extortion has also appeared for the first time too in, in third place behind data loss. So these categories were well ahead of other concerns such as regulatory risk. And cyber is really firmly on the agenda now and is seriously troubling these C-suite leaders more and more each year. You can see why they would be so worried as even just in the last year, attacks have evolved to what is dubbed triple extortion. That's where the attackers extract money from third parties such as customers. And, you know, these these managers are forced into huge decisions with very imperfect information. So the report saying that preparation is key, things like simulating board level cyber exercises and appropriate insurance, although, as we know, that's problematic as the costs have surged. There is some positivity that the worst may be behind us for premiums um, and that what was a bit of a blind spot is now being properly grappled with. The executives were pretty relaxed about shareholder actions and the report suggests that improvements there could act as a sort of template in how to tackle cyber. So uh, we might see things like mitigation practices and new laws ease the threat in the cybersphere too, hopefully. Some listeners might have noticed that with an election coming, it's my chance to wind up Terry. 
Terry, do you think cyber cover is another area where there might be a push for governments to get involved? Yes. Uh, so there. Cyber's been at the top of this particular risk list for three years running, and that indicates, obviously, that companies are well aware of the risk. But, you know, cyber attacks, data loss, cyber extortion, they're all going to keep rising alongside business anxiety. So, that, yeah, there is a role for governments mainly to work with other countries to deal with the problem at source where they can. Take the example of India. It does very little to deal with with cyber criminals who use the country as a base to launch scams all over the globe. Obviously, there are other actors in, in other countries who can't be reached. But it's up to the insurance industry and business leaders to ensure that the federal government understands their concerns and acts on them in, in all the ways they can. And I suggest that is with other governments. It's the only way we're going to get on top or at least understand this problem. But if you're suggesting something like a reinsurance pool for for cyber risk, forget it. Uh, The number and cost of cyber claims is going to rise. And I think politicians and bureaucrats would run a mile from getting involved in the insurance end of the cybercrime business. We reported during the Hain Royal Commission about the less than professional activities of one particular funeral insurer. But the news just seems to go from bad to worse for its Indigenous customers, Wendy. Yeah, um, AFCA says it's now received more than 700 complaints about um, Aboriginal community benefit funds, also known as UPLA Group. But but the added problem now is these funds have been uh, placed into liquidation, leaving policyholders high and dry. And before they went into liquidation, AFCA had issued 178 decisions all in favour of the complainants and more than $1.4 million in compensation had been awarded. But Afghans had to put that decision making on hold because of the liquidation. Um, they're, they're still taking complaints in case avenues open up in, in future to progress things. So um, alongside that, you know, a community coalition led by First Nations groups um, has released an open letter now calling on both sides of politics to take action to assist the, the, the many people who've collectively lost millions of dollars. We know funeral insurance is technically a life product, but could this saga affect the whole industry's reputation, John? Well, yeah, I think it could. Um, I don't think the wider general public necessarily splits insurance into life and general as we tend to do. Uh, They'll just see an insurer that has taken people's money and is now not able to pay out on claims or or compensation where Africa has found against it. And the fact that some of the most vulnerable in in our society are affected only exacerbates the situation. Yeah, I guess guess the industry would say this is is one company that has acted in a certain way and it doesn't reflect on on the wider industry. But unfortunately, as we know, sort of newspaper readers don't, don't always necessarily understand And finally, the latest edition of Insurance News Magazine is about to land. What can readers expect, Terry? Yay, something positive to talk about. Well, look, no one's going to be surprised that the the fallout from the New South Wales and Queensland floods are the focus of this edition of our much-loved magazine. So we've looked at the challenges of constant floods in the same places and on the industry's exposures, and we've reported on politicians encouraging new interest in mitigation. 
which I admit is, is a long way from actually doing something to prevent future floods, but every little positive helps. We've also spoken to risk experts warning that Australia is going to see more extreme weather events like this and raising issues around affordability and even availability. And you may not have noticed, but there's a federal election looming, Andrew. So we've dug deep into the insurance-related plans of the major political parties. Great job there, Wendy. And we've interviewed Scott Hawkins, the new CEO of Munich Re, on what the continuing string of catastrophes means for Australian insurers and their customers and for the reinsurance industry. And still more. We've met up with CGU's Jared Hill for a very interesting interview over breakfast. And we've also dived into the, the latest Vero SME index, which has some illuminating findings for brokers in particular. It really is important you understand some of the ways that the SME market's developing. And you can check out the latest financial results of the major listed insurers and brokers, another positive. And we show how the, the dynamic between brokers and underwriting agencies has changed over the past couple of years. Very interesting, that. So all this and, and lots more, Andrew. It's a great time to be reporting on the insurance industry, that's for sure. Sure is. Well, that brings us to the end of this edition of Insight. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Wendy Pugh, Miranda Maxwell, and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week. 